My name is Ishan Rola. And I'm Annie Knudsen. And welcome to Hidden in Plain Sight, the podcast where students from different areas of life, undergraduate, graduate, or medical school, share their stories with mental health. A quick warning to those listening. This podcast deals with heavy themes such as depression, anxiety, and suicide, and it is left unfiltered in regards to language and content. Additionally, this podcast is not meant to put down in any way the mental health resources brought on campus. However, we must acknowledge how they cannot serve every student. Every week, you will hear a new student tell their story. We hope these stories will shine a light on the often overlooked issue of mental health and provide a place of comfort for those currently suffering. So, without further ado, let's get into this week's story. mental illness have you struggled with in your life? So I struggled with depression and then severe anxiety. Mm-hmm. I was diagnosed my sophomore year of college around the winter time, but they think it started actually in middle school. Middle school. And just mm-hmm. kind of manifested as school and whatnot got more intense. So why why did you said it started in middle school, why did it so long to get diagnosed? Did it get worse off or was that there's a moment breaking point you're just like I have to get checked? Yeah so it definitely progressively got worse after I left home so I mean during high school and even in middle school like I said I was freaking out about you know getting into college like as if you know your sixth grade math class really counts for (laughs) anything but it was like the end of the world to me when stuff would go wrong and my mom like my parents kind of noticed that as I was growing up, but after I went to college, it I hit a breaking point. It was like there was a point of no return. I was calling my mom six times a day in tears. Just I could not cope with anything, and my parents were afraid to have me living at school. And so that's when they were like, you have to get help or you're coming home. Right. It's hard not to have, like, that support system, like, there with you. Because, like, yeah. I know you have, like, your friends around you and stuff, but, like, it's hard to feel like that's the same sort of thing as like a family support system and I had a roommate and you know she's not there 24 7 she has her own classes I have my own classes and same with my friends Mm -hmm. and like everyone is stressed out and has stuff going on so it's when you have a lot that you're focusing on about yourself it's kind of hard to pick up on maybe some of the things that are going on with your friends Mm -hmm. and so I think my parents and my boyfriend for sure were the ones that were like this has to stop right. you have to go get help right now right so what were the different things during that specific time period where you say you just couldn't cope with it what were all the different stressors that were almost like I don't want to say like triggering it is that a good word like what was yeah all those things yeah I think so um whenever I would sit down to do homework actually I went into a spiral I would be sitting alone in my dorm I couldn't go to the library anymore because studying made me physically sick I would vomit just from opening up a textbook or from looking at my computer. I would get so worked up about how much I had going on, whether it was, you know, club involvement, which I didn't have a lot of at the time. It was just, you know, getting started. And then I was in OCHEM at the time. And I think OCHEM was something that it took up a lot of my time, of course, and still went really badly a lot of the time. So it felt like there was nothing I could do. And that's when my 
thought process started spiraling into this quiz equals a failure, equals a failure in the class, equals failing this year, equals taking another year, equals not getting into med school. So it was like I had spiral thinking, and once that started, it was impossible to stop it. It went on for hours, and I would have to call my mom. And she would talk me down, and I would be okay for like 20 minutes. But then it just kind of, whenever I tried to do something, as soon as I wasn't understanding course material or maybe friends were going to get food and I felt like I couldn't go get food because, you know, I'm going to fail school, I can't go. Or I need to go to bed, it's 3 a.m. and I have class at 7.30. I would try to go to bed and I would just lay there with my heart pounding like, you shouldn't be in bed right now, you don't deserve to sleep, you have so much to do, so I wouldn't sleep. I slept like two or three hours a night for three months. And that was not working for me anymore. That could not go on. So um, I guess um, one thing that I always like to like want to ask is, was there like a particular instance that like first led you to believe that like something wasn't right like was it like one moment in your life or was it just like the buildup of like a lot of things where you were like this isn't normal I definitely think it was a long line of events that led up to realizing that it wasn't normal just because you know when people in your own situation that you're around all the time are taking breaks or going out to do this or that and you won't that was kind of a red flag for um, my parents and my boyfriend. Every time they asked me what I was doing, I was in my room alone. And I, like, never left. And I never slept. And I wasn't eating. And it's like when those things kind of stack up on each other, you get really down on yourself, but it becomes routine to you. So it doesn't feel like something is wrong with what you're doing, even though it should, like when you're starving and sleep deprived and haven't had fun with your friends in weeks that's what should seem weird to a person but it didn't really seem weird to me until my parents were like you know it doesn't seem like you've done anything in a while the past several times we've asked like is something up and then they actually reached out to my boyfriend and he was like yeah I haven't seen her and she hasn't done anything in a really long time so it was a more gradual then is what you're saying yeah, definitely gradual. And in that moment when my parents reached out, <laughs> bless their hearts, they like, <laughs> you know, checking up on me from afar. But um, it was definitely a gradual buildup with them checking on me and pointing out these things and making me consciously think about them. It was kind of a defining moment in that sense. Is like, wow, I'm realizing I don't go to bed at night. I'm realizing I had a granola bar today and I called that it. Like, and it's... Just because I didn't want to take the time to go get food. I didn't want to take the time to eat. I didn't feel like I deserved to go to bed. So it was like, it was definitely a pinpoint moment when I reflected on all of that stuff. But I didn't even notice that it was happening until someone else pointed it out for me. I know you said like it was very blurred during that situation, but I'm just curious. What were were the first things to go Um, If you remember, I'm not sure. Yeah, I think the first thing that went for me was the sleep. That was something I was like, you know, I cut out potentially like six to eight hours every night to do this. And I don't, 
I don't need that much. So I cut it down to seven. And that still wasn't cutting it, so I cut it down to five. And that wasn't cutting it, so I cut it down to four. And then it started that I didn't have to cut it down at all. I didn't have to set any alarms. I would try to go to bed at two or three, and I would be up at five or six before my class. Just naturally, because I could not sleep. And that time that I spent laying in my bed felt so wasted, you know? It didn't feel restful. It was just like, I felt like if I hadn't gone to bed tonight, maybe I could go to bed tomorrow. And I was like sacrificing that. Um, so like you'll make it up later. Right. Yeah, that kind of thing. But um, that was definitely the first thing. And then probably followed by going to the gym. I used to love going to the gym and running and all of that. But that quickly stopped because especially when it was cold, um, and you couldn't just go outside to run. You had to wait for a treadmill at the gym. Spending 15 minutes waiting for a treadmill to run 30 and to get there and back in the showering and that whole process seemed like it took way too much time. So I just stopped doing that. And then the food followed because I didn't want to take trips to the store anymore. I didn't want to go get food from the dining halls anymore. I just wanted to sit in my room I would have a granola bar and call it a day because you could eat that in a minute and a half and have it right there, and there were 12 in the box. So that was 12 days, and I didn't have to go anywhere. Yeah. So it was gradual, but it started out. Right. Definitely started with the sleep because I felt like maybe I'm getting too much. I don't need all of these hours doing nothing. Right, and then, like, one by one, things started yeah, to go. Yeah, it stopped being enough time. Right. And, you know, I, yeah, it just... <laughs> took over. Yeah. So what was your experience with trying to get help once you realized that something was off and that you wanted to like better your own mental state? So I heard about the services offered at Yunkin mm-hmm. Success Center. So um, I went there because it's supposed to be free. Right. And that's just the end of the story. I was like, that's free. supposed to be free. Is it free? Um, well, I couldn't tell you, actually. I initially went to Yunkin, and they told me you actually have to call in and do, like, a phone interview survey kind mm-hmm. of thing to evaluate you, in a okay. sense. So I left there, and as soon as I got back to my dorm, I called, and it was with a person, and they just kind of ask you yes or no questions, or, like, how many times a week do you do this, this, or this? Okay. So it's, like, not an in-person evaluation? Not an so in-person evaluation. So it's over the phone, okay. Yep. <laughs> over the phone, and then... Um, After speaking with them for probably, like, 10 minutes, it was not long at all, um, they told me that they couldn't see me to have an in-person evaluation to figure out what I needed for three months. Their first opening to see somebody was three months from then. And I Sorry, I just... It makes me mad. (laughs) It was bullshit, actually, because, you know, they advertise a lot that they're there to help and that they're there for the students. And when I went... They said, okay, we'll talk to you in three months. Well, three months from now will be break. Right. And I will have gone this entire semester without the help going that crazy. you need. Going crazy, yeah. Yes. Without the help that you need. So, I I mean, there was nothing I felt like I could do. So, I'm like, alrighty then. Thank you. Hung up the phone and I freaked out. Right. Like, completely freaked out because I started panicking. I was like, there's nothing for me here like right. what am I supposed to do for three months mm-hmm. I t- it was really hard for me to accept that I needed to go get help right in the first th- place it's yeah. a hard thing to kind of come to terms with and at the time I wasn't 100% sure I believed someone could help me mm-hmm. but it's like my parents were practically forcing me to do this because right. they were worried 
So I did what I was told, and then, um, uh, oh, so I started kind of having a complete meltdown. So I called him back right away. Mm -hmm. Basically, like, I mean, I was... I was in tears and hyperventilating before I called them the first time. And then when they told me they they couldn't help me for three months, I was like, I'm not going to make it three months. Right. Well, it makes like them this. feel like they don't actually care about you. Right. When they're just like, sorry, like <laughs> deferred. And I was freaking out. So I called them back like, I need your help right now. Like essentially telling mm-hmm. them like, I'm going to kill myself if you do not help me because mm-hmm. I can't go on like this for three more months. I could barely go on like this for another two days. Right. She's going to keep spiraling. What did they say? So I left them three voicemails because they hadn't answered. Oh, my God. And all three. I was, that's what I'm saying when I say it was kind of a blur because anyone that knows me knows that that's not like me. Right. I am not, like, this aggressive, like, calling and, like, not waiting my turn kind of thing. But I just couldn't comprehend that this was my situation. So I left them three voicemails and they called me back maybe ten minutes later being like, okay, um, we've evaluated your need, and we think that you need to be seen very, very soon. Really? Yes. Who would have guessed? Suddenly, they had an opening <laughs> the next day. So I got to go in the next day and talk to a therapist, or I think they were residents for to be therapists, okay. um, just to evaluate what I needed. I went in. I met with her for maybe, like, 30 minutes to an hour. It was a good time, like, her asking me, all these questions, pretty basic questions, mm-hmm. but just evaluating, you know, what's really going on. Yeah. And after that meeting, she went to talk with her supervisor and came back and told me that what I needed was beyond their ability to help me. Okay. So I had my meeting with her and they said, unfortunately, what you need, we cannot provide you with here. So where where did you go? From? Did they refer you to anybody or um, how? No. Like- not right away. So you were just sort of on your own after that? Yeah, so right then I walked back to my dorm room and I totally thought I was going to kill myself. Um, I don't know where my roommate was that night, but I was by myself for a really long time. Just with, like, a lot of thoughts going on. Like, right. I did what I was supposed to, trying to get help. Mm-hmm. And no one, like, telling someone that they're too damaged to help. It's really fucked up, first mm-hmm. of all. Um, but my boyfriend actually sensed that something wasn't right. I don't know if it was the way we were talking or Mm -hmm. what, but he came over and he, like, saved my life. He took me from the dorm room to his house off campus. I stayed with him for, like, three days straight. I didn't even go to class. I just stayed with him and recouped. And then we went, um, he took me to see my actual doctor, my Mm -hmm. primary care physician, who doesn't prescribe like psychiatric meds or anything like that and isn't a therapist but he's like we need to go to someone who knows you that can help you Mm -hmm. so we went there yeah so we went to him and my parents they were like yep you need to go Mm -hmm. there they didn't know what I had gone through that night right but um they knew that I was turned away so right I went to him 
and he actually he after seeing me he was like you can't I don't think I can let you leave without prescribing you something he's like I never ever do this but right. I really think in this case it's the best first step because you tried to do the other first step which is like finding someone to talk to and like right. work through it right. and that and is have an option right now for you yeah yeah so he's like I think the best thing to do is to give you something so he gave me the fluoxetine for the Prozac and I started taking that um every day how did that if you don't mind sharing oh. how did that like affect you did it help or did it make you feel like worse were there like good things about it were there like mo- most more good things than bad more bad things than, like did you think that it did what it was supposed to do um I think it did but it took it a long time right it definitely doesn't in the first two weeks, it almost felt worse. And mm-hmm. he was like, you know, that's normal. You need to have someone watching you, mm-hmm. kind of, to make sure you don't right. do something drastic. Worse in what sense? Just like it felt Your symptoms. I felt worse. Yeah, oh. I just felt like... And part of it almost was like, I felt like since I was taking something, I should have this better feeling, and not having it right away was discouraging. So part of it was like, this isn't helping me, nothing can help me, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. That kind of thinking. But, um... He actually called the Youngkin Center on my behalf after meeting with me and worked something out. I don't know if they do this often or ever, Uh um, but they referred me, instead of getting help at Youngkin, to get help at the Harding Hospital, actually. They had residents um, for the psych whatever there, and they actually did cognitive behavioral therapy there for me for free that's good and had a doctor take over my medication Mm -hmm. situation from my primary care doctor so he called and got that whole ball rolling Mm -hmm. I don't know what would have happened if he didn't I don't know if they offered that kind of help normally through that other location but so I did end up going through the CBT and doing that in combination with the drugs Mm -hmm. I think was really helpful that's good and it was really hard at first for me to set aside that hour to talk to him because, you know, an hour is a big right. deal, guys. Right. Yeah. Like, it's yeah, a big deal. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, what you are talking about earlier, like, trying yeah. to find time for that, like, that must have been yeah. hard for you. I'm proud of you for doing it, though. Thank you. Yeah, and, it's hard um, work. Setting time aside every week to do my homework. They give you some homework. Right. Every night you're supposed to, like, gauge what you ate, what if you slept, if you... You know, how many times did you have a panic attack? Because that mm-hmm. was kind of my thing, was panic attacks. Right. It wasn't just, like, which were um, on and off again, of course, because if, when you get talked down, you're fine, and then, right. boom, you have a panic attack. Right. So it was, like, that on and off going on for me. So I was supposed to record how many of those I had, what form did they take, you know, because my arms would kind of, like, go numb. Mm-hmm. And then I would start freaking out that my arms were numb, and I couldn't call my mom on the phone. Right. And... It was basically just recording all of that and then after the fact, reflecting on it in therapy, seeing like you are okay now, you did it, and you panicked, but you're okay, and then kind of trying to dissect what made you panic, right? and then trying to put yourself in that same situation and not panic was like how the therapy kind of went to teach you to rethink about why you're panicking and how you're panicking to help you not panic. Yeah. Out of curiosity, was there like a like when you're like putting yourself and like looking at it through a different perspective, did it ever did you come across any major revelations that made it easier or was it just a slow like just 
rewiring of your brain to like learn how to deal with those situations better? It was a really slow rewiring, I think. And it um, part of it was I'm supposed to put myself in situations that cause me to panic and not do anything. Anything I would typically do to stop me from panicking, I was supposed to not do it. I was supposed to just sit there and like let the situation happen to myself and be like, just kind of surrender to whatever is causing you this stress because you need to break whatever habit you have of stopping the panic because clearly it wasn't working. And they're like, you're in this mode where you start thinking whatever you're thinking. And then when you go do whatever you do, it sets you into a panic attack and that's not gonna work. So you need to, it was kind of like um, immersion therapy, like, you know, show this person the snake enough times and yeah. they'll be afraid of the snake. And they touch the snake the next time they're yes. there after they get it shown to them. Yeah, it was yeah. kind of like that. And it was like, you know, at first it started with forcing sleep, mm -hmm. gradually forcing sleep. And then maybe when I was doing certain study things, you know, don't call your mom. Don't, you know, do this, this, or that. And it just... <laughs> gradually as we went we set new goals don't do this or do do this so we were changing what I was used to doing to doing nothing and then from doing nothing to doing something more productive whether it was making a list to help myself feel like I have like organized thoughts about what I need to do next and how I need to do them or making sure that I go do something with my friends to make sure like just adding one time this week go do something go eat something not in your dorm room. Like adding little things, taking away bad things and adding good things to kind of just rewire what you think you need to do about the situation. I mean, you always hear about this therapy and everyone just, like, it's like we were saying with medication, everyone expects like a quick fix. Yeah, right? right. it's, it's not. Much you think better. that like, oh, I'm going to therapy now. You go to therapy and you're like, better. Yeah, after no. therapy, it's not, it's not how it works. No, it's a um, continued yeah. thing for sure. And they give you a lot of reading materials and like a lot of printouts of all of those charts that you did when you were with them to what take with you thoughts? after just in case you start feeling like right. you're kind of slipping behind since you're not seeing them anymore. And then they always, or they told me at least if I needed to come back, I could see the same person. We'd get back to where we were because they know, knew me already. Nice. So, um, I guess one of the other questions that I would have that's sort of similar to this is like, I do feel like now, if you were to go back to some place similar to that, you would know how to like handle it or like be able to stop yourself from getting that far again? It's an interesting question. I mean, I definitely feel like I'm better than I was, mm -hmm. but that's because I think about it every day, right. keeping myself like in, t in track of, mm -hmm. you know, making sure I'm doing the right things. So I am better, but I think I'm better because I am consciously trying to right. be better. Right. I think if I wasn't thinking every day about what I need to be doing to keep myself on track, I could very easily right. fall back into that place. And I think when you're there, I talk about it like it's an island. It's like when you're there. It really feels like an island, though. It feels like you're there by yourself and you mm -hmm. have no way of getting to other people or to your goal. You right. just are like stranded there. Mm -hmm. And when you're thinking like that, you're not thinking rationally. You know, a person right. that's like about to, person that's having the kind of thoughts I was having is not a person thinking straight. 
and the behaviors I was doing, the lack of sleep and the lack of eating, that doesn't let a person think straight. So, you know, it all kind of builds off of right. itself. But I think the way I was behaving was affecting the way I was thinking, which affected the way I was behaving right. back and forth and back and forth. And I think when you're in that kind of a spiral, you can't really, you can't just talk yourself out of that, you know. Right. You have to be able to climb out of that and then work really hard to stay out of it. Right. I Do think you, falling back into that would be really, really bad, and I'd probably yeah. need help all over again. Right. So do you feel like you have, like, a good, like, support system, like, helping you, like, recognize when you're doing things that you were doing before? I know you mentioned your mom before. Mm-hmm. Do you just feel, do you feel like it's mostly your parents, or do you think there's, like, other people? I know you also mentioned your boyfriend, but, like, overall, like, how is your support system, and, like, have they been able to do things that like you might not realize you're doing the same habits that you had before yes yeah so yes and yes to all of that <laughs> you know? um I have an awesome support system mm-hmm. I have my parents and my boyfriend but I also have all the people I live with I live with six girls but I feel like I can talk to them about anything and um a few of them in particular I um was really close with my sophomore year of college when all of this was going down And I think I rely a lot on them and on my boyfriend to tell me when they start noticing, you know, hey, you seem down or, hey, you've been really oversleeping lately. You've been napping a lot or, Mm -hmm. you know, you haven't eaten in a while. Are you feeling okay? You know, having them just kind of checking in because they were there the first time when it was really, really bad is really helpful to me because, you know, you really aren't thinking about it in the moment. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing it. Mm -hmm. If I was like, hey. I took three naps this week, all four hours each. I probably wouldn't do that if I was like, yeah, there's a problem with that. Right. Um, And I think having people around me so often, like living with these people and seeing them every day, they just kind of know when you're okay and when you're not. Mm -hmm. And that's huge because even if you know you're not okay, it's different when someone else knows you're not okay. Mm -hmm. And they can kind of check on you and let you know that they're, first of all, they noticed like, it's huge to feel like your friends can notice a change in you because you feel, like, very important mm-hmm. to them. When someone else notices a change in you, I feel like that's... It honestly helps me when someone notices, like, hey, something's not right with you. Because I'm like... Right. Y- it makes you feel like you have people looking out for you. And that's kind of really everything you need when I, I have that. Out of curiosity, because this is just something I heard in a podcast uh, a couple of weeks different ago. Podcasts. A different podcast. Different podcast, <laughs> Yeah. Um, they were like saying, "Well, this is more around drug addiction." Do you remember so, like, the name of the podcast? It was. Um, it, I'm pretty sure it was This American Life. <laughs> okay. So it was. He was. It was. It was about that, and I'm not like comparing that to like mental health, but like for them when they were going through recovery rehab, and they had the other people checking on them if they did something off. Sometimes they would get annoyed and be like, "No, guys, I'm fine." Do you ever have those moments where you're just like, "No," or was it always just a welcoming thing? have someone always constantly checking up on you (laughs) yeah um mostly um so anxiety and depression and that kind of stuff can take a lot of forms and something that I did was I would kind of lash out at people I was very irritable being very irritable was kind of a sign that I was having anxiety or kind of like wasn't right um and some people might not know that that's and it, a lot of people handle it different ways, but that's something I would do. I was very easily irritated. And when I was in that kind of a state versus, like, I'm sad or I'm, like, p- 
panicking when I was just kind of in that irritable, I'm worried and everything's bothering me mood. Yeah. When I was in that mood, people asking me if I was okay would probably set me off. Yeah. <laughs> no, yes, it was definitely like situational, like how I was feeling. Um, now, when people ask me, I've like learned to recognize I'm in this irritable mood. Yeah. I mean, I dropped a like cup maybe of water and like screamed about it. And it's like, hey, you dropped it. And, you know, there was a drop left in it. It's not a big deal. It doesn't have to be a big deal. And I can recognize that now. But at the time, it's like that would have been the biggest deal in the world. I would have been mad about it for hours. Like right. just these little things that shouldn't be a big deal became a big deal. And um, yeah, when people would bring that up, when I, you know, Back then, it was, like, really annoying to me. Right. But I was already annoyed. I was annoyed at people breathing around me. It was like, <laughs> Jesus, you sneezed? Get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> so now that I've, like, kind of learned to recognize that, usually when someone asks me, like, are you feeling okay? You seem, like, kind of angry. I'm like, shit, I'm probably being... Like, I know, I take a second to think, like, am I nervous? And I'm like, right. yeah, I'm nervous. So I, I'm... That nervous energy like, like manifests that. into yeah. me just being like yeah. kind of bitchy. <laughs> oh no! I really I'm hate bitchy. that, but it's like seriously, I just kind of get in that mood, and so now it doesn't bother me when people mm-hmm. ask because it allows me a second to be like, "What am I thinking?" Take a second. I think it's really important for everyone to just take a second to think like, right. "How mm-hmm. am I feeling right now about anything?" Right. And when yeah. you take a second to do that, you're like, "Okay, this." feeling that I have about this particular thing might be affecting the way I just talked to my best friend or the way I just spoke to my boyfriend Mm -hmm. or the way I just slammed my door. It's like, you know, not necessarily the thing you're mad at. You can't really do anything about it. So you kind of take it out on people that don't deserve it. Out of curiosity, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to. Like, did it ever strain your relationship with these people or was it just like a little bit rocky, but they understood for the most part like why you were acting like that I think probably with my friends it probably might have been a little rocky but they were understanding it's hard to say because you know I never really was like hey does my like mental illness make you hate me you know what I mean I didn't ever like ask that and they probably would not have been honest with their answer (laughs) no completely but I did definitely sit down with my boyfriend and I was like you know I hate this person that I am sometimes and I'm really sorry but he never got mad at me about it and he was champ he is a a freaking saint I don't know Mm -hmm. and not everyone could be so lucky with someone that's just willing to literally put up with anything you could do that man would do anything for me oh. and he put up with so much he's a good boy. just like blows my mind that he like can do that and not right. everybody can but for me personally I think I got really lucky right having people that were so understanding so do you ever feel like some sometimes there are people out there who like might not like I don't I've never had to struggle with any sort of like problems with my mental health and I, one of the things that I always strive to do is, like, I don't know what it's like. And, like, I don't understand it completely. And I, like, I try really hard to, like, because I have a lot of friends who have struggled with, like, depression or, like, bipolar disorder and stuff like that. And it's really hard for me to put myself in their shoes when I've never experienced anything like that before. So, like, do you, have you ever had, like, a time where, like, you feel like somebody just, like, didn't get it or, like, 
and if you have, like, what would you try to, like, recommend to people who might not struggle with that sort of thing and, like, how they could help a friend who's going through something similar to you? Yeah, I have definitely been with people that did not get it at all. And it's, you know, they throw out the classic, just calm down. Just don't worry Go about it. Go for a it. walk. It's not a big deal. Go on a run. Endorphins are good. Right. You know? uh, <laughs> I'm like, oh, thank you. I didn't know that. Thank you for mm-hmm. that advice. You're, you're brilliant. <laughs> right. Truly. I try to catch myself with that sometimes because, like, I'll get a text from my friend and they'll be like, oh, I'm, like, worried about this thing. And I'm just like, don't be. And then I, like, realize and I'm like, wait. And I'll, like, yeah. text them back and be like, I'm so sorry. That was not helpful. And, like, yeah. Like, that sort of stuff. Or is, like, has it ever been anything, like, worse than that where they're just, like, just get over it? Yeah. I've definitely gotten the just get over it or, like, you're being ridiculous. You do this mm-hmm. all the time. Right. Like, this isn't a big deal. Get over it. Mm-hmm. I've definitely had that and it's hard to kind of explain to a person that I can't get right, over it. Right, exactly. Like I know you can get over it and it, this wouldn't bother you, but this feels like the end of the world to me. Right. This feels like if I don't do this particular thing, I'm going to explode. Then like Right. Like is that something you, you made up? That. Like it's it's literally chemicals yeah. in your brain. Like, like it's no one wants to be this crying, flailing mess or this like <sighs> angry person. No one wants to be that. It's just like it's not your choice at some point. And I feel like people don't really get that, like, you're not. Right. You're coming from an irrational place, but you mm-hmm. can't help it. You can't see that because you're being irrational. Right. And I, like, I don't know if that word is the right word to use, but it is because, you know, getting a B on a, the quiz shouldn't make a person think that they're going to fail out of college. Right. But it does for some people. Mm-hmm. And, like, getting in that situation, some people, it's really hard to explain kind of what's going on in your head to someone that can rationalize right. and, like, think straight. Right. As a person that's not thinking straight, mm-hmm. now being a person that can think straight, I'm like, I could definitely see how people could be just, like, right. you know, chill out. You're mm-hmm. kind of being a spaz. But so, it's hard to explain that to someone that's right. never felt that lack of control because you just, that's just it. You have no control of it and it's that's part of what is scary because it's like right your physical like your homeostasis just like goes out of whack my heart was racing it's hot I was sweating and it almost becomes like a physical reaction and you know Mm -hmm. you can't you can't stop that that just as much as you can't stop the way you're thinking about it so what's the best thing for a person to say or even do to help you if you're having a tough or trouble sometimes if if some recognizes that hey, you're not, you're a little bit anxious or stressed about this like, about this thing. Instead of saying like, oh yeah, go for a run, endorphins help you. Like, what's the best thing they can say or do to like, make you feel better at least a little bit more? Just able. Like, is, yeah, yeah, it's like a, is it like a I'm here for you like sufficient or is that just sort of like seems just kind of like oh it's like a blanket statement sort of type thing. Like, yeah. Yeah, I think. Um, I think a good thing would be to let the person know that you saw a difference Mm -hmm. in maybe the way they were behaving or speaking or anything that you noticed about them that led you to believe something was wrong. I would let them know that you noticed whatever that is and specifically tell them what you noticed so Mm -hmm. that they know, you know, you're paying attention to them and it's a genuine concern that they have. And then I think just letting the person know that you're there for them for whatever they need specifically, just being like, you know... I don't know what can help you right now, but if you do know, I will do it. Right. Just kind of like not acting like you you know exactly what can fix it because you don't know what they're thinking, but just letting them know whatever you're thinking is okay. 
and I'm here to listen to you if that's what you need. Mm -hmm. I can talk you down if that's what you need. I can take you out to find a distraction if that's what you need, but whatever you need specifically, I can help you out with. I think that's the best thing. And if leaving them alone is what they want, then I guess that's what you do. You might keep an eye, but um, yeah, just letting them know, like, I'm here for you in whatever way that you need me to be is kind of the best thing to do instead of trying to guess what they need. Right. You don't know. Yeah, Yeah, they might not even know. But knowing that someone's there to figure it out with them can be really helpful. Right. So I guess sort of of on that same page, I guess, um, what would you, like, say to somebody who is going through something similar to, like, what you went through your sophomore year? Like, any advice that you would give them or, like, that if, I don't know, like, what, what would you just tell somebody, like, or, like, even tell yourself, back then what you know now like how to deal with what you went through um with what I know now I would just tell somebody like there's so much ahead of you and whatever Mm -hmm. seems like a huge problem right now won't be in a year maybe even a week it might not be a big deal and you just have to like believe that Mm -hmm. whatever state you're in right now will not be here forever if you don't want it to be and it's really hard to go get help, right? but getting help is the only thing you can do at, like sometimes, and if you go do that, you will find a way out of your current situation. Your situation is a direct product of what you want it to be, and if you can go with that mindset of, I want to be better, I want to get better, you can, and you need to find the right people, and you can do it. It's just... Like, looking ahead constantly is what you have to do. You can't get wrapped up in the moment. You have to look at, you know, where you might be in 10 years. Mm -hmm. Because you never know what things you can accomplish, especially if you, I don't know, if someone takes their life today, they could have been the person that cured cancer in 20 years. Seems like a drastic comparison, but it's like you never know what the world could be missing without you in it. So you need to just kind of consider the positive impact you could have someday and mm-hmm. just believe that you can get there. Just use that as a driving force to get you through your current situation. Yeah. You said you've like you've been working on rewiring your brain, going like you know, thinking through a different mindset, you know, recognizing like your inner I guess like the, your uh, like what's going on with like in your mind more mm-hmm. often. Um, is there a situation recently where you recognize that you have improved, where you thought, you know, back when it was bad, you would have re- you would have reacted in a bad way, and then now you reacted in a much better way where it doesn't, you know, hurt you. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Actually, last semester I called my mom to tell her I was proud of myself. Um, oh. A lot of my anxiety and stuff like that stemmed from school, of course. A lot of what was going on was like just because of how much time it was taking for me and like I mean we're in college we're all immersed in it you know that's where just a lot of my worry came from so last semester I had I think three exams on one day and like anatomy molecular genetics and and microbio oh my god so it was a really jam-packed day and studying for it was I didn't cry. Like I didn't have I didn't have a panic attack. I went and I aced, not aced, but I got A's. You aced <laughs> on wow. all of those exams and I got them back and I called my mom and I was like, "I can't believe that I just did this." 
I studied for probably three weeks for these three things combined, knowing I had them all on the same day, back to back to back, literally running from one class to the other, and he <laughs> almost had to drive me. <laughs> but um, knowing that I had to do that, and like, I just handled it. I didn't cry. I didn't worry. I mean, of course, I worried a little, but I didn't. With three exams on one day, it's hard not to like, yeah. be like, oh, I got three exams on one day. <laughs> I, they were not the easiest classes for me. I'm not the smartest person. I have to work pretty hard to understand things, and I'm like, it was a very time-consuming process, but it was like, I still slept. I still right. ate. I went out with my friends. You probably went to the gym. I probably might have gone to the gym. <laughs> <laughs> I might have I might have done that. Who's to say? Slept more than four hours. I've slept more than four hours <laughs> the whole time and took the exams, and it was fine. I didn't get physically sick which was a huge thing for me mm-hmm. even after taking right. my exams I used to get actually sick I would have to go to the bathroom and throw up and be sick and I didn't it just wasn't it didn't even cross my mind it was not a part of that routine and I called my mom and was like guess what I just did like I studied for these things I took them I did well and I feel great like I took care of myself while taking care of business and that's not something I've been able to do in the past and it was that's awesome. Yeah, I felt so good. I you too. I was like, I'm going to go buy myself a cake. <laughs> Did you? No, but well, you should still. <laughs> I should have. The friends would have enjoyed it. But it was like... Oh, you know. I do. But it was just like, it was that was a crazy moment for me to be like, this time, two years ago, I would never have made it like through that situation the way I did ever in a million years. That was a crazy realization just to be like, I have come so far. Yeah, it was awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. So I guess our very, very last thing, and this is all if you want to say any Mm -hmm. of this, um, I know that you wish to remain anonymous, so I won't ask you that, but introduce yourself. Tell us who you are. Majored in bio and did the whole pre-med course. I'm still in that application process, which has been extremely stressful, but been handling it with high mechanisms. You you have been. Um, yeah, so hopefully I'm looking to move on to med school at some point here, if I can get some answers. I'm in UHA Cole Columbus, um, an awesome group. I love hanging out with them and just feeling like I'm making my community a better place. You are. Um, I absolutely love yoga. Yoga is something, also for anyone out there that might be needing help, yoga is this huge calming force in a way to recenter yourself and like get in touch with self-reflexive yeah sure <laughs> it's like getting in touch with how your mind affects your body mm-hmm. and just actually being able to practice that is extremely helpful for me at least um yeah I love doing that um hanging out with my friends makes me really happy and uh, margaritas oh <laughs> that's a good answer margaritas and wine are a really big um red or white pink Pink. <laughs> Ooh, pink Moscato barefoot? <laughs> Absolutely. $6. Oh, blush. So good. Yes. So that's, that's me. Yeah, I'm so glad. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm glad I could do my part. much for listening. If you are or know someone currently going through depression, anxiety, or suicidal ideation, please make sure that they receive the help they need. 
suicide hotline is 1-800-273-8255. And despite the lack of resources available, all college campuses have some form of therapy and support. Additionally, if you are interested in sharing your story, please email either Annie Knudsen at knudsen.26 at osu.edu. That's K-N-U-D-S-O-N dot 26 at osu.edu. Or Ishan Rola at rola.3 at osu.edu. That's R-O-L-A dot 3 at osu.edu. We would like to thank our mother organization, Universal Health Aid Columbus an organization dedicated to improving universal health through preventative medicine, health education, leadership de- and leadership development. If you are interested in learning more, go to uhacolumbus.org. That's it for this week. We will see you next week.